0: What's up, Kairos? I'm so glad to see you. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames, and I say this every week. But that also means I get to be a part of Kairos, and it's just so good to see your wonderful smiling faces. It's great to hear your voices singing, um, and I miss you. Last week I was down at our, uh, or over, over at our Iowa City campus, um, teaching with those guys, and they, uh, they, they wanted me to say hi. So. Hi, from Kairos, Iowa City. They are teaching live this week uh, with their campus minister who's out over there. Um, And so we don't have to turn around and say hi to the camera to say hi to our Iowa City friends. But what we could do is we could turn around and say hi to our friends who are watching online anyway. Can we do that? Go ahead and turn around, look at that camera, and say, what's up, online friends? One, two, three. (laughs) You guys are so fun. Hey, I got a question for you. Did anybody, anybody go on a trip this summer? Okay, a few of you. Good. Anybody go on a plane trip? Those are are cool, yeah. Anybody go on a train trip? Oh, those are exciting. Did somebody say, what's that? I think I, yeah. A train is this thing, it's got like a locomotive and it's crazy. There's a cool dance to it too. Anybody go on a road trip? Those are really fun. Anybody go on a guilt trip? Oh, come on. Oh, not even a dad yet, but I'm practicing, huh? I'll tell you what, that is is not not an announcement, but... Um, not even close. <laughs> I'm looking at Abby. We're good, right? Yeah? Okay. Cool. We're good. We're good. All right. Anyway, uh, I got off track pretty early. We're starting a new series this week. It is called Forgiven. Turn to the first section and say, forgiven. Yes. Forgiven. In this series, we're going to take a look at guilt. We're going to talk about the ways that we deal with guilt, the way that we deal with other people's guilt, and the way that God deals with guilt. Now, my hope for you is that as we go through this series, you'll be able to see that God does not want you to stay in your guilt. I've been on a lot of guilt trips in my life. I've been on more guilt trips than any other kind of trip in my life. But God doesn't want you to stay there. And so in this series, I hope that you find that you do not have to sit and die in your guilt. But instead, God calls you into life Tonight we're starting off specifically with something really basic, but it's very hard. It's how to say, I'm sorry. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm sorry. (laughs) You did it. Band, come on out. We're good. You guys, come on. No, it's like a really hard thing to say, isn't it? Who here struggles to say, I'm sorry? Now there are people out there who I would say are over apologizers, right? There are people who apologize for absolutely everything. Like, let's say you accidentally bump into somebody, you know? Oh, sorry. Oh, 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 oh. If you did not grow up in the Midwest, you're like, what are they saying? <laughs> oh, that thing again. Oh, sorry. It's when you open a door and you're walking through it and you see somebody 10 feet behind you and you're still walking. You're like, sorry. And you're still trying to hold it. And they're just like, please keep walking. So, when somebody asks you, hey, can you come over? Can you hang out? And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm busy, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm really sorry, I'm sorry. Somebody asks you to cover their work at shift, or their shift at work, and you're like, I, I can't, their work at shift, their shift at work, either one, you know. Say sorry, I can apologize for not being able to say my sentences correct, I'm sorry. You can apologize for a lot of things. But what I find interesting is those are the things that maybe we actually shouldn't get too caught up on for apologizing, right? Like, it was an accident. Like, people bump into each other. You actually are busy. You had too much homework. You have a life. You have a work-life balance. You need to be careful about those things. Maybe those are some things that you don't need to apologize for. Maybe things that we should apologize for less and said, just own. I can't do this. And that's a good thing that I'm setting those boundaries. But when it comes to the things that we're actually needing to be sorry about, the things that are actually not good, the things that are actually mistakes, we have a hard time with that, don't we? Now we read this in the Bible reading tonight. It's from Psalm chapter 32, and it gives me a little bit of anxiety every time that I read it, just for the first time. It says, "What joy for those uh, whose record has clear, who, whose, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are in complete honesty." Ooh, the things that we've actually done wrong, the times when we've actually hurt someone, and it is important for us to step up and say, "I'm sorry, I did something wrong." It requires honesty. It requires vulnerability. It would be like someone were opening a bag and seeing what you have in there. So when I was in seminary, I was traveling from the Twin Cities. That's where I lived. And uh, I was going from the Twin Cities to Charlotte to visit my brother. Um, And uh, so I went through the airport, and I had my suitcase, right? And uh, I filled my suitcase with all the usual stuff. But my brother and I, we like to give each other like, goofy gifts every time that we see each other. Um, and so my mind, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got this hilarious idea. I had helped out a friend in college with a photography project. So I had this picture just stored and ready to go. And I printed it on like really big paper. And I say, this is going to be hilarious. I'm going to bring it to John. He's gonna, I'm going to say, dude, you have to like hang this you know, uh, on your dresser. And that you're going to see it every single day. It's going to be so funny. It's hilarious, right? So I print it off on really big paper. I laminate it. And it's the last thing that I put in my backpack. Then I get to security, right? And I'm going through security. I put my luggage through the scanner thing. I don't know, the x-ray, it kind of freaks me out. I'm always scared what would happen if my body went under it. But nonetheless, they send it through, right? And then I get done, and then I'm about to grab my bag. And the security agent looks at me and goes, I think I'll take this. I'm like, oh, come on. That was the random selection for like having a really thorough look through my bag. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no. I know what I have in that bag. Now, when he first opened the bag, it wasn't that big of a deal, right? Because like on the top of the bag, I had really no normal stuff, like things that everybody carries in their bags at all times, right? Like I had clothes. But the one thing is, is the problem, I could see this guy going through my stuff, which I didn't really like, and he's really, he's like staring at me like, yeah, I'm gonna look. I don't know what this is. I'm like, I'm like okay, like, I mean, I don't mind you to take a look at my life, but I want you to know my, my deodorant, right? But then he starts. I mean, he's digging deeper and deeper. I'm like, oh no! And finally, he gets to the bottom and he pulls out this giant picture of me. <laughs> and he looks at me. He goes, "What is this?" I'm like, "Trash. You can throw it away." Uh, like I said, I was helping my friend with a project. Okay, let's just go to the next slide. Let's get that off, please. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Sometimes I think that saying sorry is like having somebody go through your luggage. And they get to see everything that's in there, the good and the bad. And it's scary. It makes us feel vulnerable. But the psalmist also tells us this in Psalm chapter 32. When I refused to confess my sins, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Can anybody relate to that? What are the things that we do with our guilt? Like when we know that we have to say sorry, but we can't do it because we don't want somebody to see inside our luggage. We want to keep our bags closed. How do we handle our guilt? I think that sometimes we handle it in really unhealthy ways and in ways that God says that is not helping you. We think in the moment, oh, it's helping. I'll just put this off for the moment, right? But guilt drives us into all these fearful places. And so we think, I've got to keep that secure and tight and shut. And if anybody does find out what's in there, I'll just deny it. No, not me. So what are the things that we do with our guilt? Here's one of the things that we do with our our guilt. I don't think that this is like an all-encompassing list, but these are the things that I noticed that I've struggled with in my life. The first thing that we do when we handle our guilt is we bury it. Anybody here ever just try to bury their guilt? They just do their absolute best just to send it away. Like, okay, out of sight, out of mind, not gonna think about it, right? But there's a problem with that. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not still there. In fact, the Bible tells us that there are sins that we commit, there are mistakes that we make that we don't even know about. It says this in Psalm chapter 19, and this really kind of bothers me sometimes. How can I, or how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. <sighs> there are things that I'm doing, there are things that I'm leaving undone that are hurting other people and that are hurting me. God's the creator of the universe, and God made creation to flourish. You're a part of creation. God made you to flourish. And God made the people around you to flourish as well. And so when we do things and leave things undone, whether we know about it or not, we're making a mistake that hurts creation. We're keeping it. We're keeping people. We're keeping ourselves from flourishing. God says, I I don't want that for you. And we can try to bury it, but just because we can't see it anymore does not mean that it's not doing something that's not making an impact on the world. I have debated for so long whether I would tell you this story or not because it's a really weird story, okay? So I'm just asking you to bear with me, all right? So again, when I was in seminary, all right? So I'm in seminary. It's in the Twin Cities. And like any normal day, like you're going through the day, you have a break between classes. In between classes, I stop by the restroom. I go into the restroom, and I think that I'm entirely by myself. And as I'm in the restroom, I hear this voice. And this voice says, I can hear you. What? excuse me? Like, that's kind of weird. He says, I can hear you. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is really awkward. This person says, never let another person hear you go to the bathroom. That's my mantra. And then I hear the toilet flush. He comes out. I'm like, okay, this is the weirdest introduction I have ever had in my entire life. He closes the stall door. He looks at me. He looks at the sink. He looks back at me and he says, didn't touch anything I wasn't supposed to, wiggles his fingers and leaves the bathroom. I was in seminary for four years. I never once saw that man before, and I never saw him again. But I always wondered, what did he touch? Didn't touch anything I wasn't supposed to. Yes, you did. And now everything that you touch, touched what you weren't supposed to touch. Man, I'm just thinking, I'm like, those little bacteria, those little germs, they just float around everywhere. I'm a recovering germaphobe. I'm like, ah! My goodness, I just, I left school, I went home, I showered in bleach, I came back, I was ready to go again. (laughs) Just because we can't see it, just because we bury it, does not mean that it's actually gone away. In fact, it it seems to just rear its ugly head all the time, doesn't it? You start to feel paranoid, you start to wonder, is anybody going to bring that up to me again? And you constantly go back and you revisit that thing, you're like, okay, is, is it covered? Is it locked shut? Has anybody seen it? It bothers you. Just because you buried it doesn't mean that it's not making an impact on the world. And it doesn't mean that it's not making an impact on you. It does. Listen, I do believe that the mistakes that we make have an impact on the world around us. And that makes God sad. I do think that the mistakes that we make hurt God. I don't think that God likes it when we do things that hurt creation. But I want to tell you this tonight as well. It also hurts you. It's not good for you to keep that guilt inside. It's not good for you to not say sorry so oftentimes we bury it. Turn to the person next to you and say, "We bury it." We bury it. Number two, everybody say number two. number two. You guys are so good at repeating after me tonight. I really appreciate it. Number two, we blame others. Ooh, anybody do this when they've made a mistake? <laughs> listen, I am so sorry that you are offended. anybody ever heard that before? Now listen, I'm really sorry that you are so sensitive. <sighs> Okay, okay, well, I didn't intend to hurt you. Have you ever heard this? Like, you know, what I think that I'm realizing is we could compromise and find how we both made a mistake in this. Oh, does that not make your skin crawl? It bothers you. It's like, no, 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 Just because uh, the mistake is is sometimes, like uh, sometimes everybody makes mistakes, right? We all get that. Like everybody does make mistakes. We understand that. Okay, people do make mistakes. But that doesn't make the mistake that I made okay. Like, when somebody says, I'm sorry if I offended you, that's not an apology. That's an excuse. And I think that sometimes we like to relativize our, our guilt, right? Our mistakes. And we like to say, well, I mean, obviously, everybody in the world makes a mistake. In fact, uh, I had a, a close childhood friend who, who spoke about this, and, and I'd like you to take a look at this now. Um, it's, uh, it's like this. Oh, you remember. Come on, Hannah. Everybody has Come on, them. Hannah! Everybody has Anybody else know this? Come on. I don't know any other dance moves, so no encore. All right. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, that can be our mantra. That can be our vibe. That can be our song. That can be our theme. Well, everybody makes mistakes, right? I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, sure, I sped. Everybody does it. Oh, yeah, sure, I gossiped. Everybody does it. Oh, yeah, sure, I lied. Everybody does it. Now, I'm being a little bit unfair to my friend Miley, um, Hannah Montana, because in that show, Hannah Montana, it's so cool, and every single episode, there's like some mistake that's made, and her dad, Billy Ray, shows up, and he's like, hey, I want you to own this, and she owns it, and she fixes it. It's this beautiful story. I don't know why I know so much about Hannah Montana, but I know the dancers, and I know all the episodes, Uh, but I do, right? Man. Like, yes, everybody makes mistakes, but it doesn't make my mistake right. And, like, we can't just blame it on the world, like, well, yeah, the world's broken, right? So, like, people make mistakes. Like, I think that's an important thing to remember when we're the ones doing the forgiving, but when we're the ones who need to apologize, it's important for us to just own it. And in Psalm chapter 51, it gives us basically a script for how to own our guilt, how to own our mistakes. The author says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. You see the distinguishment right there? My mistake, reconciled by your love like my sin your faithfulness my issues your goodness I think some of the time, sometimes the reason why we blame it on other people is we think well I'm not the only one who's struggling right of course you're not but here's the good thing you don't have to put somebody else down to just make yourself in this situation you don't have to put yourself down to make yourself look better it's not about you being better it's not about you doing something right. It's not about you stopping making mistakes. It's about God's great compassion, unfailing love. It's about his faithfulness. The psalmist continues, because of your great compassion, Not go back one more, sorry, I'm still reading that one. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. For a quick second, I thought, like, should I just leave the, it haunts me day and night? out for a moment. And I thought, I don't think I can. Because you relate to that. You know, it's the thing we bury. It's the thing that we blame on somebody else. But it doesn't mean that it goes away. It's still there. There has to be a better way that we can deal with this. So we've gone through blaming other people. We've gone through burying it. And then the third way that I think that oftentimes we handle our guilt is we beat ourselves up. I want to tell you something. Interestingly, guilt in and of itself is not a bad thing. Like guilt is actually the thing that motivates us to change our behavior. And so guilt is functionally designed to help us feel a certain way so that we can change the way that we've behaved in the past and instead be a part of flourishing in the future. Like, guilt in and of itself can be a good thing. The problem is, is when it goes off to the side and we bury it and we blame other people, we start to beat ourselves up because we're not actually dealing with it. And so it keeps on showing up. And so then it's not just guilt. Guilt is the thing that says, I've done bad things. And it is not bad to admit, I've done bad things. But guilt will will start to turn into shame. Guilt is the thing that says, I've done bad things. Shame is the thing that says, I am the bad thing. Guilt is the thing that starts to drive us into depression. It starts to drive us into anxiety. I already said that it starts to drive us into paranoia. Because when we start to bury it, when we start to blame others, then we cannot help but beat ourselves up. Because we're numbing ourselves to it, right? Guilt is the thing that helps us change our behavior when it's handled in a healthy way. It helps, us become, it helps us join the flourishing process of creation. But when we leave it unhandled, when we don't talk about it, when we don't open up our bag, it starts to fester. We bury it, we plant it in the ground, and all of a sudden it grows. It shows up again. We can't help ourselves from this. And we start to say, it's not just me who's doing bad things, but I actually am the bad thing. And we can't get out of it. It's this numb, it's this numbing, gross cycle. It's like, okay, well, I've done it before, and I didn't deal with it, so then I'll do it again, and I didn't deal with it, and I didn't, I'll do it again, I didn't deal with it. Again, it's how we gossip so much. It's how we lie so much. It's how sometimes we cheat. I'm not talking about, like, necessarily in relationships. But we just kind of take shortcuts through life. We start to get numb to it, thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal, right? And so then the shame comes on. Well, now I'm the bad thing. God doesn't think you're the bad thing. It says this in Psalm chapter 139. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. That's scary. But then just a few verses later it says, but how precious are your thoughts about me. They cannot be numbered. God has opened up your bag. And God still likes you. God loves you. So you actually can take courage in being able to open up your bag. Say, God, go ahead and take a look at this. I'm not afraid because I know that I'm secure in a God who loves me. There's got to be a better way than the three things we've already looked at. There has to be a better way. So take a look at this in Psalm chapter 32, verse 5. This was toward the end of our reading tonight. It says, finally, and here it is, finally I, everybody say this word with me, confess. Say that word, confessed. Confessed. Okay, right on. Confess Confess our sins. Now, confession can be a scary word because it's kind of a church word. And sometimes when you think of confession, you think of a process you have to go through, you have to talk to a certain person, and you have to just bear all. Confession isn't like that. Quite literally, in the Bible, the imagery that comes to mind when we talk about confession, it means carrying something that doesn't belong to you anymore. And so when you confess to God, when you confess to other people, you are saying, this isn't my luggage to carry anymore. Somebody else is going to deal with it. And God says, I'd like to deal with it. The psalmist continues, I said to myself, I will conf- now go back one, sorry. The psalmist says, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. It's the confession that leads to the guilt being removed. Now, don't get me wrong. God will forgive you no matter what, right? God wipes you clean with God's grace. God welcomes you in as his own child. And that's a beautiful thing. But when it comes to our experience in life, we will continue to look over our shoulder. We will continue to experience that shame. And we will continue to fall into deep and dark places when we don't bring these things up out of the ground. God says, my forgiveness is for you no matter what. But your experience of a flourishing life is oftentimes held back because we're like, please don't look in here. And God says, it's just not yours to carry. But to put it down, you've got to be honest about it. God invites us to do that. How many things in your life are you trying to hide? It says, I stopped trying to hide my guilt. Anybody here ever play hide and seek, right? You remember that game when you were younger, right? Hide and seek. My mom used to play hide and seek with my brother and my sister. And I loved it. It was so much fun. But do you know what wouldn't be fun? If nobody came to find you. What if the game was just called hide? That doesn't sound fun. That sounds like a threat, like a warning. Hide. And so when I play hide and go seek, right? Like you go hide and you're having fun. But after a little while, we're like, okay, I'm ready to be found. And so when my mom would come to find us, I wasn't anxious or scared. I was excited. Someone who loves me is coming to find me. This is great. Remember this. When God finds you, God is not coming to hurt you. God is not coming to judge against you. God is not coming to retaliate against you. And God's not coming to reject you. God's coming to love you. Because you're God's kid. It says this in 1 John um, chapter 1. It says, if we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And then it continues in the same book in 1 John chapter 3. We are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. When God's coming to find you, it's not that God wants to hurt you. It's that God wants to see you, and God wants you to see him. And by seeing him, you will know who you are. You will know that he's your good father and that you're his child. He's not coming to hurt you. He's not coming to reject you. He is coming to love you and to redeem you. God does not want to see your guilt turn into shame. He wants to, be, he wants to turn guilt into something that changes you, that revives you that gives you life again. So I remember one time again, when I was hiding when I was younger, but it's not because I was played hide and seek, right? Instead, I had found one of those, uh, I'm forgetting the name, it's, it's uh, one of those sewing tools where like, you use it to like, break the hem on something. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of those sharp objects. Seam ripper. seam ripper, thank you. Appreciate that. So I found a seam ripper. It was pretty sharp, but I wanted to know just how sharp. And so I was sitting on a chair in our living room, and I was like, well, let's see, and I, I stab the chair. I'm like, whoa! That's really sharp! And I... Shh. Oh, like thinking back, I'm like, I'm cringing. I'm like, oh, it's not good. And then I do it again. Shh. I do it again. Because I'm like three or four years old. And when you're like three or four years old, you're not thinking about the big consequence. All you're thinking about is just like, this is fun. And then I realized what I was doing. And I was like, I oh, I can't fix that. So I'm like, I better hide. So I take the seam ripper with me. (laughs) I put it somewhere (laughs) to be hidden. I hid the weapon, I guess. And I go hide. Like when you're three or four, you can hide in anything. Was I hiding in a cupboard, hiding under blankets? I don't really know. But what I do know is my mom came out while I was hiding, and I just hear, oh... And she's looking at it, and I can't help myself. I'm like, oh, this is going to ruin me. And I felt so bad, and I felt so guilty. And so I come out of the covers. I come out from the cupboard, wherever I was, and I'm feeling so guilty that I'm actually beginning to cry. I'm actually weeping. I'm so sorry it was me. And I thought she was going to be mad. I thought maybe she'd reject me. She'd retaliate against me. She'd judge against me. But instead, she just hugged me, she's like, hey, 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 hey. I love you, hey. Man. You ever been freaking out so much and someone who you love dearly just holds you? Hey. Hey. You're okay. I still love you. And then she turns me and she puts me on like the edge of her lap and she says, look at me. It wasn't look away, it wasn't go to your room, it was just look at me. There are certain memories that I have from when I was a kid that are just so vivid and that's one of them because I could look back into the face of love completely honest, vulnerable, unafraid. The guilt didn't have to turn into shame. It could be redeemed, not because of my work, not because of everybody else doing something wrong, not because I could hide it, but instead because of her good and faithful love. Look, you already know that you're God's child. God's already done that. But you don't know what God's growing you into. God's growing you into something beautiful. And I think sometimes the reason why we don't talk about our guilt is because we think that it's ruined us. We think that we can't be redeemed. We think that we can't be good again. We think that we can't be beautiful again. But God is turning you into something beautiful again. And it's almost like when my mom had me sitting on her lap I'm looking back at her and it's like she's saying to me with her expression like I'm growing you into like you're going to be like me someday. You'll be able to love. You'll be able to forgive you'll be able to be faithful and loyal. I'm growing you into this. Make no mistake. When God looks at you, and God forgives you, because God loves you, you get to look back at God. And God looks at you and says, look what I'm growing you into. You're not going to stay there, a jaded, angry, Ashamed kid, but I'm growing you into my child. That's why it says in the text we don't know what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him. Jesus shows up, right? And like Jesus lives this life that is free of guilt. And he says, Give me your baggage. Give me your baggage. When was the last time that you gave God your baggage? <clears throat> Are you carrying some right now? I gotta tell you this, before I can say I'm sorry to anybody else, I have to know God loves me. This is the biggest key. If you wanna have the confidence to unconditionally say I'm sorry, you gotta know you're loved. You gotta know that you're already forgiven. And God does that for you. There are the ways that we handle guilt, but then there are the ways that God handles our guilt. And here it is, God forgives instantly. God doesn't wait for you to get better. If you behave better, God wouldn't love you any better than God already does because God's love for you is perfect. God's not waiting, he forgives you instantly. God forgives you completely. There are no blemishes on you anymore. Do not let anybody tell you that you are damaged goods. You are forgiven completely. God forgives you repeatedly. There are no no times when you will go to God where he pre-screens you and says, I don't know. This is your third time this week. And this is my third time this hour. And God continues to forgive me repeatedly. And finally, God forgives you readily. There's a beautiful story in the scriptures when Jesus talks about a father and a son and the son's wasted his life away and he's completely abused the reputation of the father and his relationship with the father. And the son comes back and Jesus says that the father was waiting for him. The father would have had no idea that the son was going to come back, but he was just choosing to wait for him anyway. Listen, God's not going anywhere. God's not rejecting you based on what he finds in your luggage. God's not going to retaliate against you. God's not going to judge against you. God has already judged and says, you are my child. He judges in favor of you. We talk about the judgment of God and we're so scared of it. God judges in favor of you. So go ahead. Say, I'm sorry, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of that guilt, but instead, see how God uses it to grow you into more and more like his son, Jesus. Put the luggage down. Give it to him. Be secure in his love. Say I'm sorry and know you're forgiven. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Stand on up and sing. Here we go. Amen.